as we launch this episode, we're sad to hear the passing of Bob Saget, famous from yep. Full House, reclaiming that character as Danny Tanner in Fuller House. Tragedy. It is, man. You know, and the thing is, is after I heard the news, I just looked and uh, on his Instagram last night, he did a show in Orlando. He's got a photo of himself on stage talking about, you know, how his love for comedy has just been reignited. And he's said he hadn't felt that way about doing stand-up comedy since he was 26 years old. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because he did. I mean, he was a comedian before he did Full House altogether and yeah. then kind of. And then what happened? Did he did he take a break from it or he just continued to do it? And we just never really heard much from him. Well, it's interesting because of the brand of comedy he was, right? I mean, people see him as Danny Tanner and he's viewed yeah. as, as he's going to be this this wholesome comedian. But anybody who's <laughs> familiar with comedy, um, <laughs> if you're not familiar with his his comedy, I, I would implore you to, to take a couple minutes going through not just your old full house clips on YouTube, but see some of his actual stand up. And it's not, uh, it doesn't really equate to the wholesome Danny Tanner that you, you're used to seeing. Uh, I remember <laughs> so years I ago. Yeah, I remember years ago there was this documentary about this joke that was circulating among comedians. It's called The Aristocrats, right? Mm. So are you familiar with this? No. So it, it's basically like it, it would be this, this joke in this setup. And like, did you hear about the Aristocrats? It's these. Uh, did you hear about this act that's performing? And this is like, it would just be something so graphic, obscene, you know, people defecating on each other and all this crazy oh, madness. Jesus. And then at the end, they're like, what do you call this? What, what, what is this act called? He's like, oh, the aristocrats. <laughs> because what is aristocracy? Like it's this high society, high class. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, there was a whole thing. I mean, I, I didn't do it justice telling, you know, the story about it, but it's funny because his version of it is just off the wall. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard he's he was pretty raunchy with his uh this comedy. And I mean, you're right. I mean, like you Yeah, I mean you think of him as being the dad on full house. And uh and then you and then you just hear I personally I've never heard any of the stand-up comedy. I heard it's pretty good, but I I mean unfortunately, I guess now posthumously I'll have to go check it out. Yeah, well, it's interesting because originally he was cast on a on a morning program in in early 1987. Then he was he was he was cut from it, which allowed mm-hmm. him to basically just kind of segue into. It. He was actually recruited to play the role, which is even more once you you know take a walk through his his brand of comedy and find that that's going to be even more interesting. The fact that he was recruited <laughs> to that role, and still no still no word on on what caused his uh, unexpected passing, huh? No, nothing as yet. Um, they said that they are not suspecting there was no drugs or drug paraphernalia found in the room. There was no well, none signs found of, in the room. Right, there was no signs of foul play. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, an instant like this, an instance like this where somebody of such notoriety, you know, uh, suddenly passes after, you know, he was found this afternoon. Obviously, because room service probably went in to try to check him out and see what was going on in there, and then they they found him unresponsive. But, you know, here oh. it is, you know, just after he had a show that just reignited a passion of his. Who knows, man? I mean, I'm not going to say like he went out partying or whatever, you know, I mean. Yeah, who knows? I remember cameos that he used to have at Entourage. 
Really? I, yeah. I never I never really watched Entourage. Oh, and he would play himself too. Oh, really? Yeah. So here he would always be, you know, partying it up in the Hollywood Hills and telling his raunchy jokes and you know. Which is funny That's because I, the demographic that typically watched Entourage, that's like the kind of, they would probably grew up watching Full House. And then, you know, they were, yeah. they, they remembered him as Danny Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Usually with, with high profile celebrities like this, it's usually some sort of drug overdose, suicide, or either massive heart attack or some sort of hemorrhagic stroke. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. What came to mind when I heard the news was, and you know, after they said no sign of foul play or, or drug uses, I was thinking, you know, heart attack. Yeah. Because, you know, went on a little, went on a little, little ride with the Sopranos and we'll get into that. But uh, <laughs> I need some elixir, my friend. All right. What do you got? I'm, I'm, I'm getting back into the Basil Hayden's, my friend. Nice. And, beautiful and i missed it I, I would try to do the cork but i got a screw top so unfortunately oh. i already I already took care of that one a screw top am i am i thinking that you might have some kind of scotch sir johnny black yeah okay. i gotta i gotta finish this costco size bottle of it nice yeah that, that would have been something that would have got me through my my quarantine. So Bobby City, <laughs> your listener, you know that it's been a few weeks since we, we had a show. One, because, you know, we've got holidays and we've got families and friends and obligations, especially to fulfill the holidays. And sometimes you just want to take off and take a break. So yep. that led to uh, that led to one instance of, of the, I don't want to use this word suspension, just break. Salute, my friend. Salute. So Christmas morning, I woke up and found myself on Santa's naughty list. Didn't feel good. Um, kind of like flu-like symptoms, like, like you typically hear about, read about um, through the day. Like just like any time you're sick, you're just, you're tired, right? Yeah. So Christmas, you know, I canceled all my plans with, with family and everything. So, you know, kind of knew what was up. You know, yeah. I just, you know, had that suspicion, you know, I haven't been sick like that in quite a while. It would be kind of weird. I mean, I know you had fought off something kind of recently. You, you said it was most likely the flu. Um, so I thought. Yeah. So but we'll, we, we, we'll get into that. Okay. So, you know, I kind of had my suspicions looking around. I mean, obviously it's Christmas weekend. Christmas fell on a Saturday this year. Didn't really get a, an opportunity to go get tested. Um, just so happened it was my day off. Um, I was off the following day. I had taken um, that Monday, which was the, the you know three days in at this point. I had taken it off just because I had you know some up like a personal day just to, to use by the end of the year. I was going to lose it, so I was set to use that. And uh, fortunately, where with through my employer, there's a basically a kiosk that I could go to. Um, I'm required, like I've said numerous times on the podcast, that I'm required um, through my through my place of employment to get tested once a week. So obviously, that being the case, I have options to get tested. I, I requested a rapid also because of my symptoms. Came back. I mean, typically it says the results take 15 minutes to come back. Less than three minutes later, she's really? looking at my results and she said, you're, you're positive. And what was interesting, I thought was... <laughs> 
the the woman that was was basically signing everybody in and the thing is like i, I waited these are all people that i work with you know and i, I saw i kind of walked up wearing you know being precautious wearing a mask look inside and i see quite a few people there and they're kind of just you know kind of like a lot of people in my place I mean, just places in general you know as far as letting the guard down you know maskless yeah. gathering you know everybody's kind of laughing you know like just joking around with one another it's you know trying to yeah. be light it's the holidays so i was just looking and i was just like i'm gonna i'm gonna sit tight i'm gonna stay out here somebody came out and they started talking to me i'm like yeah i'm like i'm just letting you know like i'm i'm not i didn't go in there because i'm i got some symptoms and i, I don't want to risk it he's yeah. like oh <laughs> it's funny because he he already there was already a distance between him and i <laughs> you know we already had six feet i'm wearing a mask we're outside in one city like it, it, this just goes to show you know people's level of, of being guarded you know having your guard yeah. being prepared so it was just like yeah you know this person tested i was like i was like yeah i'm i'm, I'm gonna get a rapid because i'm i got some symptoms he's like oh you got symptoms oh okay like he just immediately distanced himself. <laughs> yeah he distanced himself even further from me and you know that that conversation ended as soon as i as soon as i said that so now i go inside you know i, I I'm talking, you know, another colleague of mine was there and she was talking to me. I was like, yeah, I woke up Christmas. I'm not, I wasn't feeling good. And, this and, that. and the woman that was, you know, registering everybody, she looks at me. She's like, oh, you sound like you have COVID. Like I sound like, she's like, yeah, I've been doing this long enough where I'm seeing people that have it. You could tell in their voice when they have it. Like, Great. Sweet. So, so that was my first box checked, apparently. Um like I said, I took the, the, I swabbed. It's just a little rapid. Anybody by now has probably taken at least the PCR test, you know, it was swabbed in the nose and just like this little cardboard, almost pregnancy test looking thing that you kind of, <laughs> there's drops that go in it. And well, I'm not having any children, but you know, I did, I did have a test positive for COVID. So, um, mm. symptoms. So how I yeah tell tell the audience about your symptoms like yeah. what did, how, how long how <clears throat> lousy did you feel was it anything different from your typical say flu-like symptoms or cold well my case was was very very mild um and the thing is is here's a touch of irony because maybe a week or two prior uh, my girlfriend and i had gone out to dinner with one of her friends and her husband or boyfriend and uh I was just basically saying, you know, like we were, we got into the conversation and at this point, you know, the, the Omicron uh, variant, like the numbers are starting to rise and it's suspected that yep. this is what's driving behind it. But, yeah. you know, and I, and foolish me, like I said, in touch of irony, like I made this comment, like, yeah, well, we're seeing that these, these vaccines aren't doing anything. I mean, we're seeing these numbers surge up and, um, so lo and behold, I end up contracting it. And the first day, like I said, I woke up Christmas day, um, felt like bag of dick um didn't feel good <laughs> um i didn't feel good uh didn't have a fever had that flu like feeling you know that like yeah. kind of distanced kind of feeling um like i said i slept most of the day so yeah i looked at there was at one point i had a three-hour nap um mm. that night I, I checked my temperature numerous times throughout the day didn't didn't have a fever ever um went to bed having just checked no fever Woke up probably three, four in the morning. Um, yeah. My pillow was drenched. Yeah. Um, it was disgusting because my dog like walk like waddles over to it and she starts licking 
<laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's enough. It's enough out of you. So yeah. uh, just the sweat, you know, salt. Um, went back to sleep. Well, so when you, when, you, when you checked your temp, what, how high did it go? Like, what was the highest it went? Um, it was, it was like 97 something. It was cl- as close to 98 as, as I traditionally okay. see. It wasn't low. It wasn't, it wasn't over 98. It was like yeah. 97 and change. Yeah. Um, I, I checked it orally too. I don't know if there's different, uh, if you're supposed to check it through your armpit or, or anally um, for, for different uh, I wasn't I mean, going to go you, that route. I mean, if, if, uh, if, if you're taking a rectal temp on yourself on a regular basis, I think a fever is, is, is the least of your worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I didn't check my temperature um, when I woke up in the middle of the night. I just kind of I changed um you know swapped out my my pillows um, well just got rid of the the ones that i sweat on the next day uh sunday just had that kind of fever or not that, like that flu kind of feeling but once again no no temperatures no 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 spikes nothing it, from from that point on there was no there was no fever there was no no indication of one um that was sunday i was tired but i didn't nap throughout that day the next day, yeah. Monday, I knew I had the option to go get tested, so I did. I woke up, went and did that. Once I found out positive, then you know, of course, just another straight shot home. Fortunately, yeah. um, my girlfriend she was dropping off rations. I felt like, you know, like a like somewhat of a leper. Like I'm just sitting and you know, <laughs> withdrawn from society. Just, uh, it, but that was probably the worst part about it. Now getting back to what I was saying earlier, just about like, you know, my belief a couple of weeks ago about how this vaccine was bullshit. It didn't work, you know, because people were still contracting. I have several other friends that I know for a fact that didn't take the vaccine for whatever reasons, you know, Um, but I I know for a fact that they didn't and their symptoms, even even the ones that contracted it that only had it for maybe four days, like, you know, were symptomatic for four days. Like I, I was like, because by the time Tuesday rolls around, I was pretty much over it. And by Wednesday, I was back to feeling myself. So, oh, and, and, and did, did you have any respiratory symptoms? Well, we'll get to that. So sure. I, during the course of these four days where I would say that I was symptomatic, I didn't lose my taste, didn't lose my smell. Even now, never yeah. did. Um, that didn't happen. Um, I didn't, it's funny because I, I, I don't know anybody that might use a, a whoop um, fitness tracker. It's, it's ironic because I've been using this thing for a couple of years now and I use it for training. It's basically like a, a Fitbit or an Apple watch, but the data right. that it releases is it's much, it breaks it down much, much, much more. Um, basically tells you what your, your um your recovery is if you're exerting yourself too much you might want to scale it back it, it basically primes you for optimal performance athletic athletically now <clears throat> i'm by I'm, I'm far from being a olympic caliber athlete but i am you know kicking down the door of 42 in just a couple of days and, and i want to be able to to perform I'm, i still want to i still want to play sports i still like to be in tune with my body which uh-huh. COVID kind of, you know, definitely, definitely allowed me to do that. So where I'm going with this is they, the old model I had ordered in September, not because of supply chain issues, the new one actually came on the 23rd. It arrived on the 23rd. Yeah. 
the new one actually has an O2 sensor in it as well. So there's, oh, okay. there, there's a few more metrics, uh, thermometer. So it does like a different, it won't tell you what your actual temperature is, but like through your sleeping, it has a baseline and it'll tell you if you're plus or minus off of whatever mm. your baseline may be okay. as it does with your, your O2 saturation levels and, and everything else, everything, uh, how many interruptions you have while you're sleeping, um, beats per minute, breaths per minute, even when you're sleeping, it, it keeps track of all that. Yeah. <laughs> so when I originally came down with the symptoms, you have to wear it for seven days before it starts to register the, the new metrics, which on this one would be your temperature and your O2 saturation levels. So it didn't start to check my saturation levels until maybe Tuesday. Yeah. So basically when I was most symptomatic, I, you know, I wasn't able to check with this to see what my actual saturation yeah, levels yeah. were, but I wasn't finding myself out of breath or chasing my breath yeah. or whatever. Now, that being said, um, you know, uh, symptoms had gone away, but a week later, um, I played in a hockey game and I don't know if it was just from being sedentary for basically as long as I had been, um, but I found myself getting extremely fatigued in, in a lot less time than I typically would, uh, took another few days off, uh, went back to the gym today just went really really light in the cardio like typically um i'm probably doing like i I got it on either like seven six and a half or seven and i'll go for 30 minutes or or at least three miles and i'll just walk the duration of whatever might take me there um that definitely wasn't happening today it was basically as high as a six ran for 10 minutes so basically a mile walked for 10 minutes and then ran for another 10 minutes and just walked to get to like another three and you know, light weights for, for a little bit. Um, just like one exercise for body part, because I don't want to go back in and doing like a full like chest workout and a full back workout, you know, shoulder workout, et cetera. Because I feel like if I pushed myself hard in those one body part specific workouts, you'll end up feeling like you're in a, in a car accident essentially, you know, because you're pushing yourself too hard. So I feel like I'm just kind of trying to ease myself into it. Now, you know, I looked and there's times where I'll play a hockey game and that'll be after you know, I did a light workout in the gym and it, like I said, this, this will track, it'll keep track of your, um, your overall strain throughout the day. You like to keep it at like, if I'm really trying to push myself, I like to say over like a 10 over 12, um, anything below a 10 is pretty much restorative to me. Um, but like, I didn't do anything today except go to the gym. And I, that workout with the, not even, you know, three, not even three miles hard, um, not even heavy on weights. I was still pretty much at 10. Mm. Um, and also, I mean, leading up to, to logging on and, and recording this, there was a couple trips up and down the stairs that I had to do it. And that was, that was, that was winning me. So if there's anything that I, that I take away, like you were asking the question of just like, yeah. you know, respiratory, um, even without you know, having like the symptomatic shortness of breath, like I was anticipating, uh, it, it's still, I, I think there's still a level of damage that was done to my lungs. Yeah. Um, whether damage or just, you know, or I mean, what, lingering and it's just still fatigued or whatever the case. If may you, be. if you were sedentary for a period of time, um, where like you were laying down, especially laying down a lot for a couple of days, you could have had it, a mild mild touch of pneumonia too 
I wouldn't shock. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. So, um, yeah. and it, it it usually if you get pneumonia, I mean, whether it's bacterial, viral, whatever, your ability to recover from it, like it typically takes several weeks. Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by what you're experiencing. Just play it by ear. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you, if you can push yourself, then yeah, push yourself as much as you possibly could. If you find, if you find yourself getting fatigued, push yourself to that and then, and then just, and take a rest. I mean, do, do whatever you got to do. But the yeah, fact I mean, that you're just actually like the getting out. They tell you like they, they, you're, you're told, you know, listen to your body. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, if, say, if, yeah. if yeah, if, if you feel like you could push yourself, then then do do it. But yeah, I mean, if you're if you get fatigued and need to stop, then then don't don't push yourself beyond that just to say, oh, I got to try to muscle through this. I mean, yeah, <laughs> your your body is a lot smarter than your mind is. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people think, you know, mind over matter and all that other bullshit. But your body will shut down and will just completely fuck you up before your mind does. So that's just something to keep in mind. <laughs> Yeah, but one of my biggest takeaways, like I started saying about this this whole vaccine thing, is I got buddies of mine that took that you know, like I said, didn't take it, whatever, and they got completely wiped out. One of my yeah. one of my friends, you know, he was sick at the time. I found out I was what, maybe four, fourth or fifth day into it, maybe even further along, and he, I found out that he had it. He's like, "Yeah, eight days I've had it now." I'm like, "Wow, eight days!" I was pretty much over this in four i was like did you get the vaccine he's no nope didn't get it um and then maybe five days go by four or five days go by i check on him i shoot him a message you know just a little covid check-in you know and uh he's he's like no nah, man i spent i don't know if he said one or two nights that he spent in the hospital he's like yeah chest pain shortness of breath so and and this is this is the the big thing that i keep telling about everybody like or, or, you know like these these anti-vaxxers uh, COVID hoaxers, whatever the hell you want to call them, you know, all the only thing they focus on is the two percent mortality, you know, ninety eight percent survival, and all that other shit. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I was talking to my wife about it this morning over over breakfast, and we we're just like, you know, having just a typical conversation about about COVID. I guess you could say amongst amongst uh, married people. Um. You know, everybody focuses on the on the ninety eight percent survival rate, but I tell her, I'm like, you know, it's funny that everybody talks about that, but it, you know, if you were to think about it, let's put it in perspective. Let's say, so you know, ninety eight percent survival means that, you know, one in fifty people who get COVID die from it. Okay, one in fifty, we'll we'll say just just for shits and giggles. That that's that puts you at at ninety eight percent survival or 2% mortality. If you were to equate that to like your daily activities, okay, like say, for instance, getting on the road for whatever reason, let's just say, you know, getting on the road once a day to go to work. Let's say one in 50 days that you get on the road to go to work is fatal. Would you continue to do it? Probably not. Take me for instance. So I, you know, I, I used to travel a lot more for work than I do now, meaning like air travel. I've done more than 50 flights in, in the past five years, easily more than 50 flights. Um, if you were to tell me that one of in one in every one of those or, or one in every 50 flights that I took could potentially be fatal 
Would I keep getting on a plane? No, I wouldn't. Um, so, you know, when people just say, oh, it's a 98% survival rate, it is. But again, you're rolling the dice every time you're potentially exposing yourself, number one. Number two, so you got the vaccine and it still kind of knocked you on your ass for a good four days. Now, I would it say seems knocked like on my ass maybe one. Right. Okay. It, and being so fair and transparent. That's relative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relatively mild illness, we'll say. Now, but without the vaccine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You have your buddy who spent a couple nights in the hospital. Well, not only that, but there's also a friend of, it's actually a friend of ours who has it um, or had it. Uh, he was pretty much over symptoms in pretty much the same duration as I did. However, dealing with those lingering effects like the, the loss of taste or smell, you yep. know, and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah, you know, so exactly. Just to do away with that, you know, I mean, I, I, so you're losing two the, of your five are, senses. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and this what this is what what kind of leads to other things that that we talk about in medicine, where it's not just about life or death situations, or you know, if a disease is fatal or not. It's it's what are the other consequences associated with it that get swept under the rug is uh, get swept under the rug is not being important. Yeah, I'm glad you bring this up. So one of the things that we talk about in medicine as well is is um you know obviously long term effects of of diseases. You know, let's you talk about PTSD. You know, you you experience a traumatic event and it's not just during that traumatic event that you are affected by it, but it's years to come, years beyond that, that your your psychology is is completely fucked up from from that from that traumatic event. You know, whether psychologically traumatic or physically traumatic, you're going to be affected by it. So there there's there's that. There, there's long-term consequences. Right, but there's it's also not only chalked up to health though. Right. What's that? So take for, it's not just chalked up to health. So take, for example, you know, my friend, if he didn't have insurance, now he's stuck in the hospital and he's paying, yeah. he's stuck with a bill for two days overnight stay yeah. with all the care that goes along with it. Yeah. And these aren't Easily cheap, five, these are things they, that bankrupt people. Yeah. Easily $5,000. Easily, if not more. So, it, it, and then, so it's not just about being in the hospital. It's the amount of productivity that you lose, okay, whether it's in your professional or personal life. So you, you just, you lose a lot of time altogether. So I, it's, those are the things that people have to take into account as well. And when you apply that to a worldwide economy, you can see why we're in the situation that we're in. So it has its ripple effect. It's again, it's not just that you know, only, you know, two out of a hundred people die. And the vast majority of those are going to be fat with diabetes, old or immunocompromised. It's what happens to the other 98% of people that survive it. What happens to, to society as a whole? And that's, and I, you probably remember this from the very beginning when we did our first show back in April, 2020, it's not about what happens to, to, human beings in terms of life or death it's the impact it has on society as a whole and that's exactly what we've experienced this entire time almost two, well we are two years into it at this point 
So I, I, I mean, I could have predicted this when I first when I first heard about it, December 26th or December 29th, whatever fucking day it was in 2019, when I first learned about this mysterious viral illness that occurred in China. I could have I could have predicted it then that this was going to happen. And sure enough, here we are. I mean, we're we're at the point where where, you know, our supply chain has been affected. Uh, we're at the point where uh, school districts are closing down because too many teachers are sick to, to teach in the classroom. We're at the point where hospitals uh, are, are temporarily shutting down because they don't have enough employ- employees to take care of patients. They have to divert patients. You have you compromised that. care altogether. Right. And I sent you an article just talking about like the Connecticut yep. Department of Corrections has over a thousand staff members collectively out right mm-hmm. now. That's going to affect yep. things inside. And obviously, if and how many, sick outside, how many employees inside? How many employees does the Connecticut Department of, of Corrections have? Roughly 5,300. And that's how many have it 5, right now. Roughly, yeah. 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 That's how many have okay. it right now. I mean, 53 could be yeah. like 53, go highball 57, even though, I mean, you could say as high as seven or 6,000, 7,000. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I, I, I learned the other day. So my, my, the company that I work with works very closely with the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Now, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, for people who don't know about it, is a monstrosity of a regional healthcare um, network here within the United States. In fact, they have hospitals, I believe, in Korea, China, Italy, and I believe Ireland as well. It could be wrong, but I know they have some international influence as well. They have over 70,000 employees worldwide. Most of them are within the United States and within the, the Great Lakes region, we'll say, around Pittsburgh. Um, just the other day, they had 4,000 employees that were either in quarantine or out sick. 4,000. So, so, I mean, it's just under 10%, but it's, it's, that's still a significant number. To have it's even 5%. Oh, absolutely. So you even have 5% of your workforce out because they're sick or something's going on. That that drastically affects your patient care and the volume that you're able to, to handle. So that, that's what people have to keep in mind is that we've seen, I mean, every I talk to many, to many people in, in hospitals throughout the United States. Talk to people in New Mexico, Illinois, uh, uh, Alabama. Louisiana, Texas, all over the place. And every single person I've spoken to has said they are absolutely chock full of COVID patients. There's healthcare systems that are on the brink of collapse because they they just can't handle the volume. There are too many people sick at once. And that is another problem associated with pandemics. It's not about life or death. It's about the ripple effects it has throughout society and other other sectors of, of the economy, healthcare, everything. And and for people to just dismiss it as say, well, well, it was just like a cold for me. So, you know, I'm 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 gonna be completely selfish and go without a mask and not care yeah. about anybody else and say I'm not at risk and I don't care about this. This isn't a big deal. You're being very selfish, to be quite honest. Yeah. And you, you are, you are part of the problem that we're experiencing right now, whether, whether you believe it or not, I really don't care. I'm telling, I'm coming at you with it objectively. And and it's interesting because, you know, it, it was a mild case for, you know, maybe 
person X who didn't get the vaccine and, and such. But what we don't take into account is our blessings. And we don't realize like, what if, say, for example, you know, now we're dealing with different variants. You know, the, the big talk was Delta for some time. But that was, you know, kind of as we were trying to push, I, I feel like Delta was being used in, this is just my theory, that it was being pushed as a new variant that was emerging that, you know, you really need to get the vaccine. Like it was used to help push the vaccine agenda. That's what I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, because it didn't take on as much, it, it, it didn't, it didn't catch fire like Omicron did. Right. So, I mean, originally yeah. when we started seeing things about Omicron was just how, you know, it was much milder symptoms and this and that. But um, the, the reason I say we don't count our blessings is because what we found out, obviously, I mean, two years in and I finally got COVID and I'm around it all the time, it, especially, like, you know, the fact Omicron doesn't give a fuck about a vaccine because you're still going to get it and you're still going to have some symptoms. What if, you know, we got attacked with, uh, you know, with a, a variant of the virus that was as contagious as this variant happened to be, but it didn't have the, you know, quote unquote, much milder effects, you know, what if it had much more fatal effects and it was much more contagious, what would we do then? You know, and granted, you know, you could kind of start to teeter on in, in, you know, in regards to something like Ebola, which, you know, in most cases will kill its host before it has a chance to pass it on. But what if this wasn't, you know, what if this was something that you're, you're contagious for four or five days before you start to exhibit symptoms. So you know that you would have to quarantine. And by then think of all the people that, I mean, if anything, COVID has been a lesson into just, I don't even know what word to use, you know, just basically the network um, between people. Yeah that might be from one to another. I mean, let's not forget two years ago, and this is basically the, the second, third time that the world has been in, in infected and engulfed in this in this COVID thing. You know, how fast it's been, like one person from China was infected with it through the fucking lab, right? Yeah. But, you know, how, how that person infected, you know, X amount of people who in turn infected X amount of more people and just this, yep. this the way that this tree just, grows and expands and reaches its tentacles throughout the civilized world and uncivilized world. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. And that's the, that, that's the basic reproductive number that you're, that you're speaking to. That's, that's the R not. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and interestingly enough, the Delta variant had an R not similar to, uh, I think chicken pox, which was, which is fairly contagious. Measles is by far the most contagious virus known to mankind. It has an R not, I think of like 15 or 18, meaning that for, for one person that's infected going about normal societal business, meaning that, you know, no social distancing, people are interacting with people normally and all the, no masks, no PPE or anything like that. One person with measles can potentially infect another 15 to 18 people. Okay, so that number expands exponentially very, very quickly. Chicken pox, I think, has an R naught of seven, six or seven, I think. Um, Delta was almost as contagious as chicken pox. Omicron is, I've seen some figures, maybe three times more contagious than delta 
Um, so you're talking something that is high up there in terms of having an R naught. Now I haven't seen any official numbers in terms of an R naught, um, but and I don't know if we'll see any for a while. But it's just it's pretty interesting to kind of see how quickly it spread through the population. And you know the the thing is is that it hit us with absolute perfect timing right around the holiday season throughout the world. Um, so here in the United States around Thanksgiving, which is obviously end of November, and then throughout, you know, the, the, the pre-Christmas season and then through Christmas and New Year's when, when families are getting together and other folks are getting together and the, the, the perfect setup for spread of this is right around this time of year. Now, I, I'm, 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 I firmly believe that within about a week or so, you'll start seeing our numbers coming down. Because I think any any numbers that occur from now until about the middle of January are the the lingering effects from the holiday season. Yeah, and so there's a lot as of those quarantining now and such because of contact. exactly, exactly, exactly. In fact, if you even look at our flu numbers every single year, it's consistent. Usually, flu season peaks right around sometime in January. Usually, the the first half of January because typically you start seeing rising rising flu cases around the beginning of December and then right around the holiday season when a lot of families get together they indoors. they basically yeah they spread the virus around uh, all indoors and and you get your peak right around right after new year's till about the middle of the month and then they slowly start falling off until about april when it essentially goes away yeah it's interesting to me that with these, you know, the emergence of the Omicron virus, uh, the, the variation that now we're starting to see that they're, they want to cut the quarantine time down to five days. Um, yeah. There's a lot of changes that I've seen. But the funny thing is, is you're ba- they, they basically adjusted these, these, this protocol essentially um, to coincide with these symptoms that people are getting from this variant. Meanwhile, in the same breath, they'll be quick to say, well, don't forget, we still have other variants out there. So, well, you're adjusting the numbers to play with this, this particular game. But meanwhile, you're yeah. saying. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, there's a figure I saw the other day that Delta, the Delta variant has dropped to like less than 5% of cases throughout the United States as of like a week or two ago. So all Micron has really taken over very, very quickly. Boy, so. has it. Yes, it has, like wildfire. But it is what it is. It is what it is, man. But uh, I mean, the thing is, so you see a lot that's, that's going on in in uh, Australia. A lot of people aren't really familiar with it, and the crazy lockdowns that they have there. And they're nuts. It, it is nuts. And these, basically, it's funny because people that travel there are getting thrown into these detention centers that are very similar to what we're seeing here, which is hilarious because these are people like tennis store, uh, Djokovic who went there to, par- to participate in, in a tournament and they want to revoke his, his, his visa because they're saying that he, he doesn't have a vaccine, but meanwhile he's saying, well, he, he's being told not to get this, the vaccine because he just had the virus and it's not recommended. And the whole thing is crazy because he's put into one of these these buildings, these detention centers, and now people that have been in this detention center are hoping that now that somebody, you know, 
with his notoriety, essentially, they'll, 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 it'll be shedding a spotlight on the kind of treatment that they get there. Now, it's funny because, like I said before, these people are going there, you know, on, on plane tickets or, you know, for, for, for travel, you know, legal travel. And they're being put in these detention centers that people receive better care, you know, coming over illegally into this country. I mean, some of these pictures of this food that people are getting in, in these, these, this Australian detention center, I mean, there's maggots in the food. It's craziness. It's craziness. And the prime well, minister which, is which, involved now just because of this one tenant star. Well, and, and, and that's, you know, and, but that, that also, you know, okay. You want to blame the Australian government for how ridiculously restricted they are on this. Okay. I get it. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with that, but at the same time, I mean, like it, you you either have to have your you're either completely idiotic or now he he has a different case because he's going there for a tennis tournament okay get it but if you're not like either you're a complete idiot or you just have your head buried in the sand and, and are have an ignorance is bliss mentality just turn on the news you can see that you know Every single country on the face of the earth is affected by this. And every single country on the face of the earth is going to have their own set of rules that they're going to go by. Not every country is, is going to be as loosely restrictive as the United States. And it, it, you literally have to, have, your, have to have your head buried in the sand to not know what's going on in Australia. Australia has been ridiculous on this from the very beginning. And let's say, for instance, I were to book a trip to Australia now, like say I'm leaving tomorrow to go to Australia. For me to just go there and expect like, oh, I'm just going to walk around like, you know, like, like, like I'm in, uh, I don't know, downtown Miami. I don't have a mask. I don't have to wear anything. I don't have to, you know, make it seem like, seem like nothing is going on in the world right now. That's not going to happen. So you're, you're setting yourself up for failure with not really understanding what kind of bullshit Australia is going through right now. So, you know, for, for people to just be completely, you know, think that they're completely blindsided by this is beyond me. Now his case is different because he's going there for a tennis match. And I guess he didn't get the vaccine and he got COVID and, and uh, had a quarantine, but then there's like, you know, the, the rules that Australia has for entering the country are, are kind of confusing. Okay, so I get that. I get it. But why would you take that risk? I, You're a professional I just wouldn't. athlete with how many people working for you. You're not yeah. going to look into these things before you go. You're not going to be familiar with, with whatever travel restrictions you might be encountering over the way. You're going into this tournament with the goal of winning millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You have millions of spot dollars in sponsorship money. You should know this should be much more planned out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not disagreeing with you in that regard at all. My point is just this disastrous detention center that they're, they're just throwing people in like the gulag for for going in there, <laughs> not, not being prepared. It's just it's it's kind of crazy. And I, it, I think it's hilarious that you it use is nuts. This. You use the example of downtown Miami for like walking around with some loosey goosey <laughs> restrictions. Because did you see who went there? Did you see AOC? I did. Yep. AOC went down there for a little vacation, went to a little drag show and everything. Went down there, partying oh, really? maskless, maskless. Mm-hmm. What's good for for what is it? Good for the. What, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah. 
or what's what's good for for me is not good for thee or some shit like some, that something like that yeah but it, yeah. it's funny because even desantis went on the uh he was he was talking about it and he used that example he's like you know it's kind of funny to see all these people with these draconian lockdown places they want to come down to florida you know everybody talks uh, talks basically saying how people talk sh- about people going down there you know and how you know he doesn't really have a handle on on covid and and, and you know stopping numbers slowing it down but meanwhile when people want to escape from their little draconian lockdowns and in places yeah. they, that's where they go that's the first place they like, go and, I, and it's, it's completely that, evident because here she is that, she's talking about how masks are needed and everything and you know you've seen the videos and the photos where she's not wearing a mask and then when it's a photo op she just throws it on right and then yeah. you know now you're seeing firsthand like here she is partying it up and now she tested positive but that's okay right it doesn't matter exactly but and, and that but that's the thing like you know if you want to get away you're going to go to florida of all places that is a fucking disaster and has been from the very beginning with regard to COVID. I, I, this is the thing that, that blows my mind about this is that, you know, like the, the far right praised DeSantis for his, you know, for, for his non-restrictive policies and all that other bullshit. And yet just last week. So last, I think it was the third. No, sorry. Yeah, it was last week. We'll say the right before new year's. December 30th, Orlando had a, was it Orlando or was it, no, Florida in general had set a new record for positive COVID tests of 76,000 in one day. (laughs) Their seven day moving average was 42,000 cases per day. That's, that's insanity, absolute insanity. And yet people want to escape COVID up here to go there. So you're going from, you know, ju- what's the saying? Jumping from the pan to the, or, or frying pan frying to the fire to or the some fire, shit like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's, that, it, it, <laughs> it's just, oh my God, it's just utter stupidity. I, I like, I, I really, you know, you would think as a, as a species that, that has been granted the gift of intelligence by our, our superior being, we really don't use it that much. <laughs> we 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 seriously lack intelligence to, to as a whole it's it's utterly fascinating to me just yeah, to know. see the the stupidity that 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 we that we exhibit on a well, fucking daily basis well most people are able to physically you know go for a run but most people physically don't yeah <laughs> which is nice you know cnn is finally talking about how you know, lowering ob- obesity and, and getting in shape actually is beneficial to combating COVID. Did you see they're yeah. finally doing that? Are they? Yeah. Oh, they're they're not they're they're not fat shaming anybody anymore. No, they are fat shaming them. They're saying that they need to oh, lose weight if they want to combat COVID. Quite well, the they ironically enough, they had a they had an article several weeks ago that that basically said that was talking about how I think it was in California that you can basically give a card to your doctor to say, don't weigh me today. If, if you're, if you're, uh, if you feel ashamed of your weight. Unless it's, unless it's medically necessary to determine the weight. Yeah. Yeah. How which crazy is every that? time you, which every time you need to go for a checkup, it is necessary to, to see what your weight is. That is basically a, a way of tracking your, your health altogether. 
So, so the, these ideas, when they say it's medically necessary is fucking ridiculous. Cause every time you go to the doctor and get your height and weight, that is medically necessary. They don't just take it just to, to put it in there. Just, they, they, just they don't do it just for shit and giggles to, so, to bust your balls. They're, they're, they, they trend it for a reason. You're saying it, well, it's not your doctor attempting to fat shame you. No, it's that you need to have it done. Oh yeah. Tubby. <laughs> You had your last physical two years ago. Looks like you put on a yeah. few pounds, you fat ass. <laughs> now, if I had a doctor who said shit like that to me, I'd, I'd definitely go back to them for regular checkups. Yeah. Let's see how much you're up this year, tubby. <laughs> <laughs> Might want to put the Cinnabon down. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> hey, guys. Sammy's coming in today. Let's see how many fat pounds he gained. You know, he's up and not down that COVID sitting on his couch ass. You know, it's funny though. We mentioned AOC and going to Florida. So let's marry Florida and CNN. So we have uh, these, I thought it was interesting. These New York prosecutors, they're they're moving forward uh, on basically examining Donald Trump on these ideas that he, he was inflating property value numbers to basically take advantage of tax and loan benefits. Um, but meanwhile, Chris Como's brother, Andrew, who was basically on the hook for basically sexually assaulting and molesting his employees, was being let off the hook. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're chasing a theory. Meanwhile, hard evidence is being dismissed. Yep. And, and well, insane. why? It, I mean, why, why, exactly. why are they but, doing that? Well, do you think maybe it's some of the influence from the Democratic Party that, you know, it's so prevalent in New York? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, as a sidebar, uh, I think New York and California are really trying to outstupid each other, to be quite honest, just in their in their day to day operations. So but it is what it is. But I, I mean, listen, I, I mean, you and I have spoken about it on, on several occasions on on this particular show and. You know, while our politics really tend to lean more right than they do left, we are more center right, I guess you could say. I mean, granted, Donald Trump is the Republican idol at this point in time, which you and I have both agreed is probably not exactly our 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 favorite candidate uh, for presidency. But I mean, all all this to me, what this what this tells me is that. The left is extremely, extremely worried about the 2022 midterms. And if, if they're, they're not worried, they need to straighten up, though, because look at like you used, just used California as an example of trying to out stupid New York. You see this executive order that was being proposed about about firearms. Where in, in California, it, it was proposed in, in California. Um, Governor Newsom was proposing it, and basically it was as a reaction to the Texas abortion laws that were going forward. They're like, okay, well, if this is the hill that you're going to die on, here's ours. If we find out that, you know, regardless of what, what your, your constitutional rights are, they were told that if, if somebody purchased a firearm, a third party could file a lawsuit because they felt threatened by the fact that they purchased that they merely purchased a firearm. Yeah. 
I mean, listen, New York and California are trying to outstupid each other, but I mean, New York has a lot of catching up to do <laughs> to really to really outstupid California. So let, let me be completely transparent on that one. But I, it, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like the far left uh, hopes that Florida and Texas will secede from the union. And those of us on the right hope that a major earthquake will just, you know, just just drop the three major cities in in California off into the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> just kind of like fade off into the sunset. Yeah, it's funny, but I, I got into this conversation with somebody at work before I was put on my sabbatical for, for contracting the virus. <laughs> but it was somebody who you could definitely tell through conversations, they definitely were more left leaning, but they're basically trying to make an argument on how they should do away with the electoral collage. And I was like, absolutely, I, I was like, absolutely not. It's like well, the, one, the, the, the electoral collage, they said the, the electoral college college. college. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't know. But nonetheless, you know what I'm saying? So uh, my argument is like, listen, I, I, I would agree that there's some things that should be changed. I think gerrymandering would be something that should be done away with. I mean, basically you're redistricting, you're redistricting to acquire whatever votes you want. I mean, you're basically changing the rules as you go to whatever way you see fit so you could win right but that's not how the game should be played the idea that one vote should stand for one person is i don't know how our forefathers had the foresight to to see that this is like a method that needed to be installed in in creating our government because basically i mean you look at population right you're going to mm-hmm. say that the the population of New York City, which is what about seven and a half billion or seven and a half million, roughly eight million, eight million, eight point three million, I think, eight point three million. So you take the population of Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. Rhode Island is roughly the same as that one city. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that one city should have the same influence as three states. This is why I think that doing away with that would be such a bad idea because you're basically going to have five major cities control the ideas of the entire nation, which let's be realistic. Like the Midwest has different priorities, we'll say, than Mm -hmm. somebody in LA or in New York. I mean, people in LA or New York aren't going to see how important farming is, but meanwhile, they all want to eat farm to table, right? Well, and, and I, I think they had that foresight because I think throughout human history, I mean, within the past, you know, 10, 12,000 years, human beings have walked the earth as a civilized society, uh, loosely speaking, we'll say. Um, it's, it's been consistent throughout time that more liberal ideologies occur in larger cities or in more densely populated areas as opposed to more sparsely populated areas or more suburban or, 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 uh, or rural areas. So I think they knew that, that, you know, and, and to be fair, I think our forefathers, I think it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that they were probably more right leaning than they were left in terms of their, in terms of their, their political ideologies. Now at the time it wasn't Republicans and Democrats or many other different types of political parties at that point in time, but I think their, their politics were essentially more right leaning, 
uh, as opposed to left. So they, they sure, they, they wanted to see the country progress over time, but more so via a free market as opposed to having the government implement things to ensure that, you know, all people got, got things equally. They didn't believe in that type of stuff. They, they wanted less government intrusion into people's mm-hmm. lives as opposed to more. So hence the reason why they're more right leaning as opposed to left. And they, they saw what came out of larger cities as opposed to rural areas. And they, they knew that basically, you know, the, I, I don't want to say the filth of humanity came from inner cities and in, in large metropolitan areas, but I think they had the foresight to see that. Well, and they saw that with, with, with ancient cultures like the Romans and the Greeks and the Egyptians. And it, listen, it, human behavior has really not changed that much in the past 10, 12,000 years. It's all the same bullshit. It's just that names have changed. Empires have changed technology has changed but other than that our, our behavior has has been essentially pretty static in in that entire time our behavior has however our our thoughts and ideas have have changed and you know you talk about the the country's origins and it's funny because basically the parties that we saw back then we saw the federalists and then we saw the democrats and republicans were actually united at the country's inception which a lot of people don't realize. I mean, we, we see like, you look back and you see like the Federalist Party there and the Whig Party, right? Yeah. But it's, yep. it's, it's interesting to see, you know, if you go back in time and you realize that, wow, the Democrats and Republicans used to actually be united. Yeah, because they were united because they wanted to do away with the Federalist idea. Mm. So it's, it's, it's funny to, to look up that. But it's funny, you know, yeah. we push, we, we talk about like, you know, and this was just like a, a crazy little, a conspiracy theory, but you know, the longer this COVID thing sticks around, you know, you kind of it, it. It made me kind of curious if, like, for instance, and I, I talked to you before we started this, like, we see like fluoride in 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 our drinking water. You know, fluoride, yeah. is, you know, has benefits in hardening teeth or whatever. Do you think the longer it goes on, there might be additives to our food because we already have preservatives in our food for one reason or another across the board right and i think that's probably a reason why we're seeing a lot more food allergies these days but the more the longer it goes on where covid um is is basically not going away um vaccine mandates are pushed uh, in some countries mm-hmm. there it's it's mandated where in the united states it's not however it depends on where you work in some instances it is required is it far-fetched to say that one day we might see some kind of COVID prophylaxis inserted into our food supply. Oh, I don't, I mean, if you're asking my, for my opinion, I would say, no, we shouldn't have that. Not that it's your opinion, but do you think, because I think maybe at some point in our history, people were against fluoride being inserted into our drinking water. Oh, there's people that are still against the. There. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious if you think that that's something that would ever even become a discussion. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess what you're, what you're alluding to, would it make sense to be taking, say, like prophylactic antibiotics in your food or something like that to ward off some sort of infectious process? Is that what you're asking? Basically, yeah. Something kind of like I, that. And I only stumbled across this, I don't even want to call theory or just idea that just because I came across the video where they were talking about how a lot of big tech people, Bill Gates included, and a lot of other, uh, prevalent people are just becoming more and more involved with, you know, 
genetically modified food. And I know there's a big, there's a, there's a, a large faction of people that are trying to do away with that as a whole. I mean, yes, for all intents and purposes, I mean, Montesanto is a crooked company. I mean, they're, they're indebting people in other countries just because, you know, they're modifying these. A lot of people don't realize it's not only for like, for preservation, you know, methods, you know, we want, we're going to want to, you know, harvest strawberries in this, in the fall or the late summer. And you want to still be able to eat them in, in February. You want to still be able to have a strawberry <laughs> shortcake. You know what I mean? It's not just yeah. for reasons like that, but it's also because, you know, uh, they'll create these, these seeds. So, they could have a, a much thorough harvest, but then they don't traditionally, you know, whatever fruits and vegetables you may grow, they're going to produce their own seeds and it's going to, you know, it's going to fertilize the soil. So next year you'll be able to grow the same thing. Well, a lot of these instances where these seeds are being modified, so they don't reproduce. So these farmers, they're forced to purchase more seeds. So it keeps them mm -hmm. coming back. So yeah. And I mean, I guess as a, as a bit of a sidebar from COVID and all that other stuff, you know, the pharmaceutical industry gets demonized on a daily basis for, you know, past transgressions and all that other stuff or for what they've done in the past to, you know, to, to rake in profits and all that other stuff. Um, I, I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for almost seven years and I can tell you there is no other industry on earth that is more regulated than the pharmaceutical industry. I, 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 hands down, none more regulated than the pharmaceutical industry. And I, I would say here in the United States, the, the medicines that you get in the United States, prescription medication, even over-the-counter medications that you get, are some of the highest quality products you will ever be exposed to in your entire life. Okay. The amount of testing and, and uh, laboratory tests that these drugs have to go through in the clinical trials and the years, years, and some, in a couple, couple cases, decades of research that go into these things is unlike any other industry on the face of the earth. Okay. Uh, prescription grade drugs, okay, those that are only available by a prescription by a doctor and filled by a pharmacist here in the United States, maybe at best have a 12% margin, okay, meaning that there's only about a 12% profit that, that occurs on them. That's not a lot. That's not a huge profit margin. Now, to be fair, the restaurant industry, it deals with even slimmer margins in terms of profit. The pharmaceutical industry is about 12%. And, and the reason why I bring that up is that with the amount of regulation and, and, and research that has to go into these things, that's a relatively low profit margin. Hence the reason why drugs are expensive. Okay, hey, I want to make sure that people are completely clear on that. It takes anywhere from 10 to 20 years to bring a drug molecule from discovery to the pharmacy shelf. It takes two decades in most cases. And for every one drug that makes it to the pharmacy shelf, there's anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 molecules that are discovered, screened, and discarded because they're either toxic or ineffective altogether, or both. Okay, so I want people to keep that in mind. Every single day, 
medicinal chemists are coming up with new molecules that are potential therapeutic agents. And like I said, hundreds, if not thousands are discarded because they're not good candidates. They won't make it. Okay. So this is what I mean by the pharmaceutical industry is extremely, extremely regulated. Okay. Hence the reason why drugs are very expensive. And hence the reason why people want to demonize the pharmaceutical industry. But realistically, if you want to put a lot of the demonization in one particular sector of industry, that's the big agricultural industry. Okay. So these are going to be your, your large seed manufacturers like Monsanto, Cargill, Syngenta. Those are probably three of the big ones. Then your, your, your manufacturer, your animal, animal farmers like Tyson, uh, Purdue, um, Smithfield, which does a lot of pork. And there's a couple other companies out there. I, their, their names just don't come to mind right now. Um, the shit that they do to bring their products to market are nowhere even close to the fucking regulations that the pharmaceutical industry has to go through. Not even, not even a smidgen close to that. Okay. The, their regulations are, are slim if anything, it's, it's fascinating to see the shit that they're able to get away with. Okay. Now you want to talk about genetically modified organisms. And I don't know if you really want to go down this, this path. This is, this is something I'm very passionate about because it, it's a, it's a tragedy. What big agriculture does to people's health. Okay. Um, Genetically modified, what does that mean? That means that they basically get a genetic genetic sequence from one, one organism, they implant it into another one, and then use that basically as a food product. So for instance, there are apples, okay, that are produced that don't turn brown. So when you, you know, you get a, a, a natural apple, an apple that hasn't been modified at all, you, you cut it, you leave it out for maybe like, I don't know, half hour, you see that it starts to brown. That's oxidation that's occurring. Okay. Now, McDonald's has, has, uh, has a, a, a contract with a company that produces apples. And when you cut it open and you leave it open like that, they don't turn brown. In fact, so like, you know, we go to McDonald's every so often and we get our kids happy meals and they ask for apple slices, which I, I would rather them eat apples than potatoes. But um, if you notice, the apples are completely peeled and sliced and they're put in a little, a little baggie for kids to eat out of. Those apples never turn brown. Never. They are always like they have that, that greenish uh, Granny Smith apple look to them. They never oxidize. They never turn brown. Those are genetically modified apples. Um, you have corn. Corn is, uh, uh, well, corn is not necessarily genetically modified. What they do with corn is that they spray it with a BT toxin. BT is Bacillus thermogensis. Okay, it's a specific bacteria that when ingested by insects will actually tear open their guts, their stomachs. Okay, so they die. Um, and the reason why they spray corn with that is to fend off a certain type of insect that eats away corn. I forgot what the name of the, the actual uh, worm that, that occurs in, in ears of corn that eat it away, but you spray the BT toxin on corn and it kills that particular uh, insect. But the thing is that this insecticide is, is, pretty, non, is pretty indiscriminate and will kill just about any insect, including 
uh, honeybees, which are essential to to the to uh, uh, vegetables and fruits. You know, obviously, or flowers getting pollinated and creating fruit and all that other stuff. Uh, soybean. The vast majority of soybean in the United States is genetically modified. Now, they call soybean Roundup Ready. Uh, uh, Roundup, the reason why is that there's that, in, that uh, herbicide called Roundup. Roundup is the, the, the drug in Roundup is called glyphosate. Okay, that's the actual herbicide. What it does is that when you spray it on a plant, it causes the, the plant to basically dry up, shrivel up, and die. Okay, it's called desiccation. It causes desiccation of plants. Now, the interesting thing about soybeans is that they genetically modified soybeans, so they're quote-unquote Roundup ready. What that means is that they are resistant to that glyphosate. Now, why would they spray an herbicide on a plant you're trying to harvest? Well, the reason why is that it causes the plant to basically go to seed faster, okay? So what they do is that they, they crop dust these fields with glyphosate, these soybean fields. The plant itself dies, but the soybean is still viable. So then they just go through and, and, and collect all that. Now, as you're eating genetically modified soy, you're ingesting a lot of that glyphosate. Glyphosate has been shown to cause a, a whole host of different types of cancers. Okay, so that's something to keep in mind when you're consuming genetically modified soy. Same thing with cottonseed, same thing with sugar beets. The vast majority of sugar that we consume here in the United States doesn't come from sugarcane anymore. It comes from genetically modified sugar beets. Uh, cottonseed oil, if you use that for cooking, you should probably you should probably be jailed for that as far as I'm concerned because that is a genetically modified organism as well. Uh, these are all plants, okay? Um that have been modified in some way, shape, or form to produce more food for the human population, and yet it makes us more sick. So again, when people bitch about the pharmaceutical industry, you know, being uh, uh, criminals and all that other stuff, they really should be looking in, in their in their cupboard for the shit that they're buying, and how and how those same people are contributing to the many health issues that the human population is experiencing nowadays. It's a fucking tragedy is what it is. And that's my monologue for this episode. <laughs> we we're waiting for it. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. Well, now that we, thank you for tuning for this episode of what we're all going to die from. As we're both drinking alcohol. Yeah, well, we're not, it's, not, it's not soy. I don't know what kind of bourbon's made from soy. <laughs> If it was, I wouldn't be drinking it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, some of the things, like I said, we've, it's been quite some time since we've done our last uh, little episode here. And one of the things, one of the big news stories um, that kind of was for as large of a story as it was, it never yep. turned into a large story. Absolutely. In most media outlets. And what I'm referring to is the Jessalyn Maxwell verdict. Um, she was found guilty. Um, of aiding and abetting the trysts of one Jeffrey Epstein. Now, the interesting thing that I just I came across in an article is that the guilty verdict, it's very likely that it's going to get tossed and her case could get retried after jurors' comments on sexual abuse. I guess there was two of the jurors that were sharing their own instances of sexual abuse while they were in deliberations. Jesus and Christ. I guess that's a big no-no. Um, yeah. That that automatically gets you disqualified from 
from being on a jury is if you have a certain bias. Yeah. That's one of the things that they ask for in jury duty. Yeah. Um, this goes on top of one of the key witnesses during the trial claiming that uh, Virginia Geoffrey, Geoffrey, don't know this person. Geoffrey. 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 She, uh, she told her that, uh, that she slept with Prince Andrew while she was underage. So the interesting thing in all of this, and still no mention of it, you know, all these high profile people that were involved in this Epstein circle as clients, mm -hmm. there's no discussion of any trials or any arrests being made for these people. Yep. Nothing. And granted, you know, something that you and I, we always stress on this, this podcast is due process and making sure that everybody, regardless of what their, you know, their trial by media is saying, and just making sure that regardless, you know, make sure the justice system plays out. But the first step in any, you know, any bringing somebody to justice is an initial arrest, an initial questioning. You know, mm -hmm. we're not even hearing about authorities questioning anybody that comes up on these manifests. Nothing. Yep. And exactly. out of all the names, and it's impossible to say, well, well, the FBI probably is. because. But the thing is, is out of all the names that are on it, you're going to hear about at, at least one being questioned. And that hasn't happened as of yet. And why is that? Why, 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 is why that? do you think that's the case? Why was the verdict only as much as a ticker at the bottom of the TV screen? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that involves... Good question not only English royalty, as we just mentioned, but presidential, United States presidential. I mean, that's as much as I dislike the Clintons. It's basically the United States' version of, you know, and it's been referred to aside from the Kennedys, right? Because the Kennedys is 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 the all-time Camelot of the United States. Mm -hmm. But you have somebody, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, governor of Arkansas, became president of the United States. Two terms, right? Two terms? Yep. Two terms, President of the United States, had his own political scandals. He, you know... He's, Many. He's, he, <laughs> yeah. He has his, his scandals. He, his presidency is over. Who becomes senator of New York? New York of all places. Did they even live in New York? The guy was governor of Arkansas. All of a sudden, his wife is going to be the, the, the senator of New York. But that happened. Yeah. Right? Well, they, they, they still live in New York now. Okay. But I remember like when he was re retiring, like the big news was that his office post-presidency was going to be in Harlem. Can you believe that? Harlem. Anyway, not only, you know, she goes from, from, from United States Senator from New York, uh, Secretary of State, failed miserably there. And then it was a question of, I can't believe she failed her presidential biz. Like, meanwhile, while the FBI is investigating her, I remember a show that was on Netflix it was a docu-series. It was about, what's uh, Michigan? Flint, Flint, Michigan. It was about their police oh, yeah. department and their, their lack of resources. And because of the water crisis that was going on there, which how come we're not hearing about that anymore? Like the, all of a sudden, like they fixed all the pipes overnight. I mean, granted, this was a story yeah. from several years ago, but like that, we're not even talking about this anymore. So um, there was a, there was a, there was a, a debate that was going to be held in Flint and, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a basically documentary about the police and, and everybody and, you know, the police are, they're standing guard and they're just talking amongst each other. Like, can you believe Hillary Clinton's coming here? Like, isn't she, she's under investigation by the fucking FBI. She's running for president. Like uh, how, like, it, but you know, 
that was their their queen. But these people are showing up in those manifests as well. Yes. And there's not even a peep about it. Not even a peep. But Which, every day CNN is running some story about Donald Trump, who hasn't been president in over a year. Yeah, which which goes to show you that the elite class throughout the world is in cahoots with the media throughout the world. And the media will cover for them while trying to pit the rest of us commoners against against one another. It's funny because of all pop stars, John Mayer of Connecticut, nonetheless, he had yeah. a line in one of his songs, Waiting on the World to Change, and he is spot on. He says, when you own the information, you could bend it all you want. Yep. Absolutely. It's exactly what it is. I mean, I know we've said it multiple times on this on this show. There's, we don't have a free press anymore. Our, our press is not is not well, blind like they, liberty should be. We do. We have a free press. It's not governed by the government. However, it is governed Officially, by Officially, it's not. Right, but it's influenced by special interest groups. Absolutely, which a lot of government officials are a part of. So, I mean, uh, that, that that's why I said officially, they're not governed by the government or they're not controlled by the government. But realistically, behind the scenes, they are that narrative is pushed behind the scenes. I mean, why, why does, why is, why is CNN left-leaning? Why is MSNBC far left-leaning? Why is CBS and ABC left-leaning? Why is Fox News right-leaning? Why is one, one American news right-leaning? Why is Newsmax one, you know, right-leaning? Well, I think Newsmax and One America Network, I think they're, those two are trying to jump in because Fox is always just leading in, yeah. In the polls. And the reason being is because, like you just said, you named like six different media outlets that are all left leaning. So it becomes mm-hmm. a little bit diluted. So I think it's unfair to say, like, you know, champ, Fox always champions them as, as leading the ratings race, but they're the only game in town for the most part. You know what I mean? So if, yeah. if it's ever been evident, I mean, you see in the last two elections that the country is almost, almost, almost at a 50 50 split. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty. Yeah it's pretty damn close, right? Yeah. So if you're going to take those numbers and you're going to run and you're going to have one news outlet that's going to be catering to the right, you're only going to have one one game in town. I mean, for the most part, I mean, One American News Network is is kind of kind of fringe, right? And yeah, Newsmax, no, not, not kind just, of, it definitely is. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what, do most cable carriers even have it? Not that I know of. In, in Newsmax, I mean, they're basically making themselves free to anybody who they can. I mean, I think they're, I think they're on like Pluto, which is a free yeah. app you could download <laughs> for your Fire Stick. Yeah, but th- this is what I mean. Like, if 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 you have a media outlet, a major media outlet that is leaning one way or another, then it's it's not a free media outlet. It's biased. Now, I, I admittedly, I, I mean, I, I watch Fox News more because my politics lean more right than they do, do left. Too. And I, I mean, like, I, I just I can't I just can't tolerate CNN. I, I just feel like they've lost a lot of credibility in the past 20 years. I know you and I have spoken about this in the past. And not to say that, you know, Fox News has gained so much credibility 
and all that other stuff, but it's just naturally that's where my politics lean. But at I the same time, if it's that they've lost credibility, it's that they've just become this one trick pony kind yeah. of show on CNN. Yeah. You mean like just going after Trump the whole time? The whole time. The funny thing is, is so I was killing time before. Uh, I know when you were playing Bob the Builder over there, but I was waiting to hear back from you if we were going to be able to, to move forward with tonight. But, uh, you know, I flipping through the channels and just trying to, to see, you know, get caught up with whatever is going to be catching the headlines. And obviously Bob Saget was, was tonight's big headline. But CNN started running a special talking about democracy. And I wanted to bring this up because I started watching it and they were talking about, you know, where the United States is with democracy and this and that. And then immediately it veers off in the direction of, can you believe Trump? You know, he's, he's a threat to our democracy and he didn't want to peacefully turn over the reins to the country, to the next administration and this and that. I was like, Jesus Christ, I see where this is going. But you know what? Three days ago, it was the, the January 6th and CNN, I mean, God damn it. You know, we had... Kamala Harris refer to the the January 6th insurrection, you want to call it. We refer to that as in, in the same token as 9-11. We refer she's she's comparing Pearl Harbor. January 6th to Pearl Harbor. I mean, are you kidding me? Not even are, close. Not even remotely close. Now, the thing is, is if as far as there's any comparison that you want to make, let's talk about the fact that, you know. Our, our 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 intelligence agencies completely dropped the ball on both instances. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, that's referring to 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 September 11th, where obviously this network, you know, devised this plan to to board these planes and and crash them, killing thousands of Americans, or the fact that you know there was there's plenty of conspiracy theories that it, that it exist that say that we knew about. Japan's imminent invasion of yeah. Pearl Harbor. We knew that that was attack was going to happen, and yet we allowed it to take place. We could talk about that, and the fact that you know we've talked about this on this podcast, where there's no way that these thousands of yahoos who were led by a, a guy with no shirt and a raccoon hat, <laughs> they. Basically, the, the 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 white version of Flavor Flav, <laughs> the white version of Flavor, the the, the hillbilly redneck version of Flavor Flav. Yeah, they, boy. <laughs> he just had like a, a digital <laughs> clock hanging from him because he didn't have the regular clock. But you have this person that's like th- these people were able to organize, and, and they want to push this whole thing and blame Trump. Like if, so you're telling me that the president was able to devise a plan to orchestrate thousands of people to run into the Capitol, break down the doors, sit in all these politicians. They, the president did this, but nobody knew about it. Every fucking eye's on the president. Everybody's looking at yeah. him. And, you would and, have known. The funny, you wouldn't have known about this thing, until that day. And the funny thing about it is that, and I know I've heard multiple people say it as well, is that, we're a year into this investigation and yet they still haven't come up with anything. I mean, like if they're, if they're so adamant and I get it, I mean, Trump's a dick. He says stupid shit, but if, if he really was the centerpiece of this and you had evidence for it, why haven't we heard of it yet? 
Why? No, that, but this is this is the narrative that they want to paint. But this, so I get up, I go to the but why? Or whatever. Why? But but this okay, this, so this program. Why? But this program, I get up, I, I walk away from the TV, I use the bathroom, whatever, let the dog out, I come back, and maybe I, I missed the way that they segued into this. But what are they talking about now? They were talking about Hitler and overthrowing and Hitler writing Mein Kampf and all these other crazy things. I'm like, wait a minute, how did you segue from January 6th? I, I would love to see what this five minutes that I missed because you're slamming some serious gears here. Like, uh-huh. we're going to go from talking about how this these yahoos, who this guy wasn't even there. This guy wasn't there. And yeah. the crazy thing is, like, I turned on, I, I slipped through the channels on the day that it, that it happened. And I, I didn't even really know that it was going on that day. And I, and I turned on the TV, flipped through the channels, and I, I saw some people posting on social media that were actually going down there. And, you know, I like, saw like some Facebook live footage or whatever. And I was like, oh, I can, let me check this out, change the channel, whatever, finally put it on. <laughs> like, they're saying that, that, that Trump orchestrated this whole thing for everybody to go down there. What they're not talking about is the fact that he was like a half hour to an hour late showing up altogether. Yeah. And he was on there, whatever, and like, this crowd was crazy. I mean, these people were all influenced by QAnon or whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever. But his statements that day, I watched his his speech. It wasn't like some rabble-rousing fire up the crowd, get ready, this is what we trained for, ready to take the field and and take no prisoners. Like, this is not what his speech was. They, They act like it was this fiery speech. Like, listen... Uh, it was pretty vague as far as i'm concerned it was and i had this uh i had this 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 teacher at this you know the speaker at this training that i had gone to one time and he went around the room pointing out different people who in your idea is one of the greatest leaders who was one of the the greatest leaders that you could think of going around the room you know Mm. I'm saying, you know, Mark Messier, captain of the New York Rangers, 1994. You know, Derek Jeter of the New York Yankees. You know, these people, Colin Powell. You know, Schwarzkopf during Desert Storm. He's like, listen, they're all good, but nobody ever mentioned somebody like Adolf Hitler. Eyebrows raised, That's true. right? Yeah. And he's like, and I understand what you're thinking because I'm, I'm sticking these this, these things too. But for one person. If you're able to project your insane ideas to an entire nation and get them to take your back, yeah. then that's really speaking about your character and your leadership yeah. and your ability to Absolutely. motivate people. Because he Absolutely. got an entire nation to become completely on board with not even borderline racism. People want to say that Trump is this crazy-ass racist person. Meanwhile, he's enlisting... Kim Kardashian and, and Kanye West to basically spearhead this this movement to get people that have possibly been wrongly ac- accused out of prison. Okay, fine. Yeah. You, you, this is this is this is the one that you want to say. This dude was able to get an entire nation to think. You know what? Not only are these people bad, but they should be exterminated. Yeah. Like yeah. this is what he did. But he he was able to get people to to agree with this statement. And only that, mm-hmm. but say, you know what, our little ass country, yeah, we're going to take over a couple towns in Europe or a couple a couple countries in Europe. But not only that, we're going to take over the world. Yeah. 
Yep, exactly. I mean, that's 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 strong leadership. I mean, good, bad, or indifferent. That is strong leadership. That that is able to influence people beneath you to agree with your ideologies again good bad or indifferent and you're you're absolutely i mean you know we we always look at good leaders as being the heroes behind everything and but that's not necessarily i I mean a good leader is somebody who has loyal underlings or loyal uh subordinates if you will i mean that that's really what a good leader is and benito mussolini was a good leader um adolf hitler was a good leader joseph stalin i guess you could say was a good leader as well and yet they were probably three of the most horrific characters throughout human history in some of the shit that they did to their own to their own countries all within the past hundred years might might i add okay so yes i mean the those are those are some of the 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 best leaders that we've seen throughout human history now again good bad or indifferent that's that's really what they're good they're good at influencing people under them into their ideologies that's what good leaders do now good moral leaders won't do shit that those three numbskulls did um but again influential they are with their with their subordinates so that's something to keep in mind but yes adolf hitler was probably one of the best of all of them throughout throughout human history now i can't i can't say the same about donald trump because he wasn't able to to influence a larger majority of people throughout the united states and i i don't mean a, a large enough majority to you know to squeak by an election we'll say but he was, you know, what I'm talking about, uh, uh, if he was really good, he would have been able to influence even the left into his ideologies. And he wasn't able to. So as far as I'm concerned, he really wasn't that good of a leader from that perspective. There was a comedian that I saw in one of his jokes who was talking about how good of a leader uh, Hitler was. And the example that he gave, he was able to convince an entire country that people with blonde hair and blue eyes were were the superior race when he himself had brown hair <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yep exactly but we go from a leader like that to uh and, and it's 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 i say it like that by no means are we championing adolf hitler because if i could go back no. and kill baby hitler i would kill that little fucker in an instant but you have to understand. You, you baby have Hitler to is wonder. One baby, I would die. That I would die. That I would make dead. That I would kill. I would but kill you have to. Baby. You have to wonder. And I and I, and I said this over over. And I said this last year about what the hell was his name? Derek Chauvin, the guy who who murdered yeah. George Flo- George yeah. Floyd. I mean, everybody, you know, it, it comes out and says he's a piece of shit and all this other stuff. But I, I want to repeat what I said about him. Is what I would say about Adolf Hitler or Benito Mussolini or Joseph Stalin or all some of these other horrific dictators that have come through um, that, that have come through and, and had some sort of influence on some society through, throughout human history. What have they gone through 
throughout their lives to that point where they became that horrific leader, what have they gone through to make them the people that they turn out to be? What life experiences have they gone through to turn them into the monsters that they were? I don't care. I'm and still it, kill for me, Hitler. for me, I, if it were up to me, I'd go back and say, how can I change history to, to not make this person's life as miserable as it was to turn them into the monster that they became? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. I think she because you're abortion. you're not born a monster. <laughs> I know there's a certain series of dominoes that have to fall in line to create yes. the monster that you become. I get it. I get it. How fucking abused are you, and and how like how tortured ha- are you? Have you been to turn you into the into the fucking demon that you've become? You know that that for me that that's horrific. That's if I can go your, back and change history, that that's you, what I would do. You and your damn morals. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, right, fine. The, no, it's cool. We're not going to kill the baby. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the the, the knee jerk reaction is to kill the fucking baby, and that that, but that's also horrific. We started with the death yeah. of Bob Saget. Now we moved on. We're talking about killing babies. <laughs> but speaking of leaders, um, or lack so, thereof, <laughs> or lack thereof. So we got Joe Biden, um, who is our <laughs> our elected president, and and commander-in-chief meanwhile this is the second time in as many months where he got it wrong and in this instance his his vice president as well because both of them were very vocal in showing their support of one juicy smollett um when he was found guilty of uh, basically staging a hate crime there was no no rebuttal or, or coming back or falling back on the previous statements i mean say something so much as you know, we were lied to, and this won't be tolerated. Justice was served, and the conviction of Juicy Smollett. It's something like just a soundbite like that could have proved to be. It would have gone far in my book. Instead, we have this president who, back in 2019, stated what happened today to Juicy Smollett. Uh, <clears throat> Juicy Smollett must never be tolerated in this country. We must stand up and demand that we no longer give this hate safe harbor, that homophobia and racism, you have no place in our streets or in our hearts. We are here with you. So once everything came back, he he didn't recant on that statement. Nothing was mentioned um, by him or his, his, his vice president. Jesse Smollett, mm-hmm. this is why Kamala Harris is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings that I know. I'm pay- praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempted modern-day lynching. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or skin, or excuse me, the color of their skin. We must confront this hate. And listen, I would stand with either of them with this statement, had this not smelled like shit from the beginning. Exactly. And I, I love the fact that comedian, of course... Dave Chappelle, who takes so much heat for, for <laughs> just being a normal human being, is just, he called him out on this. And it was great when he, he did. did. I mean, listen, who gets mugged going to get Subway? Cops show up, you're just, you're eating your Subway. <laughs> At 2 a.m. At 2 a.m. Listen, I get it, man. Sometimes, in the dead of winter in, in Chicago. winter in Chicago. Listen, sometimes, you know, you know, these Hollywood types, man, they get the munchies, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I'm not even going to judge him for going out to get a bite to eat at 2 a.m. I'm judging this guy for getting 
like he said, like urine and bleach thrown on him, a noose thrown around his neck, and the police finally show up to deal with this, and you're chewing on the sandwich that you went out to get because that was priority. I got my ass whooped, but I'm still going to eat my sandwich while I still got bleach and piss and whatever all over me and this noose. Like the first thing I'm doing if somebody puts a noose around my neck is taking that noose off. Like, this didn't yeah. smell bad from the beginning. And I know to most people that did. But I think, you know, that we, we, we like to use this, this term virtue signaling. And I think this was virtue signaling at its, at its best or its worst. Wasn't even, I, I can't even call it virtue signaling. It's just, I think it's just plain old stupidity altogether. I, I mean, when it, when it first I, happened, I'm saying I by think, like the president and the vice president who at the time were, were still on the campaign trail, I think it was just like, what I mean by virtually signaling is just like, we have to make a stance on that. We have to release a statement on it because it's the biggest thing in the news right now and we're running for election and we have to make sure that this is something that yeah. we address. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. From that perspective, yes, you, you are absolutely correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll never go back on, on what they said. I, I wouldn't expect them to. I'd I'd be very I'd be fucking shocked if they came back and said you know what what we thought three years ago um, before the the case actually transpired and everything occurred before we saw all the evidence uh, was a knee jerk reaction and now that everything that came out you know we agree with the ruling and 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 this was horrific that he staged this upon himself um, I'd be fucking shocked if either of them came out with something like that but since they since they haven't i am i th- this is this is exactly what i expected yeah but it doesn't shock you i mean this is somebody who on the, during the campaign you know obviously covid has been the biggest thing for the past 2 years it's it's now entering season 3 um <laughs> Uh, I'll share a, a TikTok video I got. I found somebody sent it to me earlier. It was pretty funny. Um, basically, treats COVID uh, the first year, second year of seasons, and now the third season. You know, now there's there's going to be the Corona flu or flu fluorona, and I was like, fuck that. Nobody's asking for a collab. <laughs> we don't want to see that. But you know, I mean, during the campaign trail, something that I believe it was was Harris that she had tweeted or, or Biden nonetheless came from their 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 team. And it was just basically, you know, Donald Trump doesn't have a plan to combat coronavirus. We do. Well, we're still waiting to see it. What is this plan? Yeah. Because the numbers have gone up, if anything. Numbers are yeah. spiking through the roof. And I'm not going to say that it's not because, I mean, I believe the very 100% has something to do with it because the biggest push has been vaccinations and obviously vaccinations has, has completely like, you know, in my instance, as most people that I know lessened the symptoms and made it to be less severe of a, of a, of a virus, um, of an infection. But what, what, pe- what people fail to notice is that, you know, this push for the vaccine, I feel like would have been completely different had the election had different, results because what people don't realize is that this it's not like you know we were talking about this initially like last year you know when we were talking about you know this vaccine being you know being kind of you know people there was a push that they couldn't come up with a vaccination or treatment fast enough right yeah and 
you know, and I made the joke at the time. I was like, geez, it's like these people are expecting Donald Trump to be in the back with his lab coat and a bunch of Bunsen burners and beakers and creating some like <laughs> this, this concoction where people are going to be taking it. And all of a sudden it's going to do away with COVID. Like it doesn't happen that simple. However, no. this vaccine was developed underneath his administration as part of the, what was it, the, the defense authorization? Operation Warp Speed. Operation Warp Speed. Where, yeah. So... These things were developed and the issuance of the vaccine, we've even discussed it on here, were held off because they didn't want it to have an influence on the election. So they withheld the, administer, the administration of the vaccine to even the first demographic of people, even some 75 and up, even the data, they withheld it until after the election because yep. they didn't want it to interfere, like I said. But had this election gone the other way would it be the opposite party that was all on favor of the quote-unquote the jab isn't it funny like people that are against like it's like it's the jab you're gonna so get the jab it's, it's so stupid you're gonna get the jab bro yeah yeah i'll get it again <laughs> three times you know the crazy thing is i didn't say this earlier when uh when i was talking about my my recent battle with COVID. um the day that I took the test, the rapid, two days after I had gotten it, um, well, showed symptoms. Um, I, uh, I that was the day that I was scheduled to get the booster. Mm, interesting. So that was canceled. Yeah, but it's interesting, you know, like days leading up to when I showed symptoms. I mean, I was with my girlfriend until Christmas Eve morning. So that's less than 24 hours later, I'm exhibiting symptoms. And they say two days before is usually when you're most contagious. Yeah. She never got it tested. Yeah. She, tested. she took a PCR test. And is she vaccinated? She is as well. Yeah. She, she actually okay. just went for her booster. Just the other. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. I, the, the politics behind this has been, has been, has just become completely nauseating. I remember, I remember Kamala Harris during the debates saying that she wouldn't take the vaccine since it was produced under the the Trump administration. As if, like, just like you said, like Trump was back there doing the research himself and you know chemi chemically synthesizing the vaccine. As if, like, you know, he he actually did it. And I like it. Just it, it's fascinating. Just the the utter stupidity in the general population when it comes to things like this is, is just utterly fascinating. Cause like, you know, they're like, Oh, this is, this was Trump. Like, you know, like Trump's part is like, well, Trump is the one who, who, who produces vaccine. I'm like, oh, no, he didn't actually he didn't. There's people that, yeah, no, jobs. he didn't. It's like, he's overseeing everything. So everything that happens under his administration, he's going to have his hand in. Yeah, exactly. Like he yeah, was I, doing the, he, he was doing all the math equations like for Blue Origin or for, for SpaceX <laughs> to get people launched in the outer space. He's sitting there. Yeah, it's just, it, 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 it really just goes to show the, the lack of intelligence when it comes to how these things really are done. I mean, there's a whole regulatory process for these things. Now, did he did he uh uh you know cut a lot of red tape probably yeah he did which is good i mean you have to give him credit for that but he was being but, called to do that from from the left anyway yeah exactly which is what he did and yet it occurred and 
they still complain that it didn't happen fast enough. And now <laughs> and it's like, now we have a different administration. It's like, oh, well, these were unforeseen things and everybody's given, given the new guy a free pass. It's just, it's, it's laughable is what it is. Like, how, how can anybody take this seriously? I, I can't. I mean, like when, when I hear these politicians just talking all this stupid shit about, about how things transpired, I'm like, you really are playing on, on stupid people's emotions. That's really what you're doing because the rest of us that actually know what's going on think you're a complete fucking idiot for what you're saying. And then like to hear other people just repeat the same things. I'm like, good God, I'm dealing with a bunch of idiots around me. Well, it's funny. I came across this article today. I meant to send it to you um, or just to share. So it was produced by eyewitness through uh, news three um, here in Connecticut, but obviously um, they grabbed it off the Associated Press. But it's written by uh, Amir Madini um, of the administrator, excuse me, of the Associated Press. Um, basically, the gist of it, and I was very surprised to see it um, reported on a just a, a local news news source. Um, and basically, it's saying <clears throat> Biden shied away from news conferences, interviews in year one which is something that you and I talked about, but it was interesting to yep. see an actual article about it and talking about how he basically bristles at queries of the shortage of COVID tests, answers another about Omicron spurred travel restrictions, sidestepping a third question about whether Senator Joe Manchin failed to keep his word when he torpedoed Biden's social services and climate spending. <laughs> and I mean, the times where he's actually going on to say like, um, I'm not allowed to be having a press conference right now. You're not allowed. You're the president of the United States. Who is telling you that you can't? Yeah. It's just, it's. But it, it was funny for me, just the fact that it's finally being addressed by a news outlet. And granted, I mean, the fact that it's, it's only picked up by a local news agency. I haven't yet seen it talked about by really anybody aside from, from Fox, but that, that news outlet here in Connecticut isn't a Fox affiliate it's it's mm -hmm. CBS, I believe. CBS. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think, uh, I think, you know, the, the media in general, not the big left leaning media outlets, but the media in general is kind of getting a little, little sick and tired of the, of the dramatics that are coming out of the Biden administration right now, or the lack of action that's coming out of the Biden administration at this point in time. Now, to be fair, Okay, let's let's be completely fair uh, to to the Biden administration. You, you talk about the surge in numbers that are occurring. You can't really blame him for that. As much as people want to blame him for that, he has nothing to do with that whatsoever. If you want to blame somebody for that, blame the people who think that this is all a big fucking joke. Blame but the why people can't who that question be handled? Why can't he handle that question? I mean, if somebody asks you, like that's you're, a good question. You, you're not in a position to be a president. I'm maybe you, you can be. I'm not saying you can't qualify. All right, you're qualified to be a president. Sorry, so you want to be a president? <clears throat> okay, you're at uh, you're at your 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 stump speech, and you know, following here's a question, um, and just somebody directs a question in relation to the spiking numbers in in COVID right now. How do you handle that question? I would say it has to do with the fact that we just got out of a holiday season where a lot of people get together and the, the environment is ripe for rapid spread of the variant through family members throughout the holidays. 
on top of the fact that we have a large portion of the population that refuses to get vaccine for whatever reason. And the scientific data objectively shows that vaccination is one of the best protections against infection itself and further spread of the virus altogether. Now, so I don't expect that's Biden how to I would speak like a that. physician or somebody that's as versed as you in the medical field. So that probably no. was not the best example. So <laughs> if I was to handle that question like a, su- a stupid person, I would say, you know, we're just coming out of, a fi- uh, out of the holiday season where people are in close quarters with with other family members, you know, in tight settings where transmission is more apt to occur. Mm-hmm. Even handling it that I'm not, yep. that's not presidentially speaking, but it's an accurate answer. How come he yeah. can't even answer that question? How come he can't even say that? He like, is he that far out of touch that he doesn't understand the basic principles of being in close proximity with one another is going to lead to the transmission of, 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 of this virus even further? I mean, it seems because like it's his, pretty easy. Because his handlers won't allow him to. That's this why. guy's shitting his own pants for God's sakes. And he's president of the United States. I know. It's a very sad situation that we're in. It is very dire. It is very, very dire. So, sadly, sadly, there was also oh, yes. one other. Horrific. I was more upset about this than I probably should have been. 99 years old. And how unexpected was this passing? It was in Walgreens the other day. Magazine talking about Betty White at 100. I don't think they were foreseeing 17 days from when that was to take place. Yeah, 100th birthday would have been on the 17th. Yeah, what a our first TV program was in 19 in the 1940s. She made her film debut. She did something there in World War II as well. Well, that would make sense. Perfect. The 40s. For how what it, for how what it was, what she, she or did something with the military during World War II. It was very impressive. Have you seen any, any pictures of her when she was younger? What a beautiful woman she was. Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely. And I, you know, when you look at somebody who's able to live to that age, and you keep their wits to, about them. Yes. Yeah. And that, that, that's the thing I've been saying for a number of years at this point. If you're, if you reach the age of 85 and you still have it together, your likelihood of living far into your 90s is very high. Whereas if you're like, you know, in your late 70s, you're kind of losing, you know, kind of losing it. Your ability to make it into the 90s is very, is very limited, to be quite honest. But just would be interesting but, um, to hear some of the stories from somebody that's able to keep it together like that, just the changes in yeah. society, <clears throat> you know, especially from somebody that, like I said, that could keep their wits about them and, and actually make sense. I mean, we got somebody in their 70s that's running the free world right now. I, I don't understand half the stories he says. He starts going off on tangents, <laughs> talking about the hair on his legs and little boys and what, like, I don't know. I don't know. Slurring his words as <laughs> if like he's had a couple scotches tonight like we've, like we've had. Yeah. Good God, Good. We're, in, we're in a fucking world of hurt. We are in a world of hurt. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's all I got, man. All right. We'll catch up with y'all 
in a, a much sooner date than the, the delay. Yeah. This time, hopefully, exactly. As long as the Civ doesn't go on catching his bid. <laughs> I might have had it last month. Who knows? Stay safe, people. Absolutely. Peace. Peace out. Ago, a friend of mine asked me to say some MC rhyme, so I said this rhyme I'm about to say. The rhyme was mecca, and then it went this way. Recollect a mecca, mic check on a windmill skill, map the steps.